So in our sermon series, we're coming to the end of Jesus' teaching on Christian discipleship. So we're in Matthew 7, verse 7. So at last, after quite a lot of negative teaching, don't do this, don't do that, don't be like the hypocrites, these verses are full of positive action. Ask, seek, knock. And there is this positive response. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So it is for everyone and anyone. It is so inclusive and welcoming. Because through Jesus, God is opening up the door of heaven and inviting us in. And the illustration Jesus uses is so simple. So the crowds listening to Jesus, Jesus as well as the disciples, they would have come from all over the place, cities and countryside, but everyone would get this idea. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for bread, would give a stone or ask for a fish and be given a snake? And everyone would look at each other and say, no, I wouldn't do that. Of course not. So everyone gets what Jesus is saying. So children might think that sweets and ice cream are the best things, but on the whole, we know what good things children need for their well-being, even though we are evil. Yes, Jesus calls us evil. And even though we are evil, God is not. The Bible teaches us about the holiness, the perfection, and the faithfulness of God. So how much more does he know about giving us good gifts? So our God in Trinity has a heart of love, creativity, generosity, because he made us and he wants to show his love for us in a myriad of ways. So I wonder, what do we think good gifts are? Well, here is this bundle of presents representing my prayer life. And for me, to be honest, in the main, I think of good gifts as health, wealth, and happiness. Lord, please heal me and uh, heal others, because that is a good thing. Oh, Lord, just help me to get that job. Get me the right house. Give me a nice holiday. Thank you. Oh, but Lord, really especially, just make me happy. Just can you just take away all those difficulties, just smooth the way forward and uh, make my life, make me enjoy my best life. Am, Am I on my own here? But they are all good things, aren't they? But as wonderful as these verses are, there is a reason why Matthew places them in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And that is why it's quite difficult to take verses out of context because they can lead to confusion and maybe disappointment because we won't spend long on these verses before we start thinking about all the good things we asked for but didn't get. Because life isn't that simple. And we wonder, is God really good? Why does he allow bad things to happen? Or we panic, we start... Um, bargaining with God, you know, oh, please, God, make this happen, Um, and then I'll be really good in future. I'll I'll, I'll pay you back. 
or we just give up praying at all. I mean, what is the point? So prayer gets complicated. So for all these issues, I would recommend revisiting the prayer course and the unanswered prayer course, which we did a while ago in church, and it's by Pete Gregg, and it is online. But Jesus talks about God, not just as my father, as in John's gospel, but he says, your heavenly father. And no one had talked about God as father before. It was more God almighty, creator, the Lord. So people thought of God as quite distant and remote. But actually, God is very near. And he's very accessible and he's very intimate. No one would have thought of God like this before. The word association just wasn't there. God as our heavenly father. Now here's a silly game that the roots sometimes play. So one person says two words that sound the same, but they're very different. So we'll play this game. So you've got to listen. I'm only going to say it once. What am I saying? Am I saying presence? Or am I saying presence? I'm going to say it. Presence. Did you think that was presence? Hands up who thought that was presence. And Or did you think it was presence? About half and half. I mean, this is why it's a silly game, because I'm just going to make it up. I... <laughs> I said, presence. <laughs> so these good gifts, are they presents or are they God's presence? Because in Luke, 20, Luke 11, Jesus promises that God will give to those who ask the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God in our hearts. So what do we tend to pray for? Do we pray for the presence or do we pray for presence? But of course, God is both. There's a prayer by contemplative lady Catherine of Siena, and she said, God is like a deep sea. The more I find, the more I seek. O oh, eternal Godhead, what more could you give me than yourself? O eternal Godhead, what more could you give me than yourself? So we can sit in silence and contemplate that truth just to get to a deeper level of understanding the love of the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit, and how they've expressed that for each one of us. But I'm carrying on. If God is our Heavenly Father, in Christ, we are adopted into God's family. And we were told that in Ephesians. I think you looked at that last week. So we are in this different family culture, and we need some cultural adjustment. Just thinking of the Rose, and they have gone, uh, they've moved to Mongolia. So they've got to observe how different cultures operate, and it's not just the language they've got to get their heads around, um, but they, how to interact with one another, what is valued, what is taboo. And uh, the rows really need to be very wholehearted in understanding this new culture 
and really committed to fitting in there. And so do we. In terms of discipleship, we might think that the Sermon on the Mount sounds idealistic and, frankly, insurmountable, but all that we've been studying is the standards of behavior that Jesus expects us to aspire to. So that is God's family culture. So it's not just believing in Jesus, oh great, my sins are forgiven, my inheritance is in heaven, I'll see you there. God is interested in how we live our lives as children of God in an evil world. So this passage is the key to understanding how any of this behavior is ever going to happen, to realize our need for total dependence on God Because there is no other way, and sadly, there is no shortcut to this one. So our prayer life is designed to change us and not to persuade God to give us what we want. And it's being secure in our relationship with God as Father, from which everything else is going to flow. So let's think about how Jesus modeled living his life here among us and maintaining his relationship with his father. Because at the beginning of every day, he would go off to be alone, to be in the presence of his father. And living amongst an evil generation, he must have had such tempting thoughts, such anger, such frustration. But he knew that he needed the love of his father and the clarity of God's purposes for him and the desire to carry them out. And then we have this agonizing prayer in Gethsemane where Jesus' love for his father overcame his immediate desires and out of that obedience led to his his death but then also his resurrection. And so it's out of a loving relationship we have with God that we get verse 12, do to others as you would have them do to you, which is different to do no no harm to others, like don't do hurtful things, or, oh, my behavior's absolutely fine as long as I don't hurt anyone else. But it's a much more selfless action because we are God's humanity. We are the salt and light in the world. We are Jesus in the world. So when people look at us, we should be reflecting the light of Jesus in our intentions, our motivations, and actions. And this is the scary part. It's our responsibility to learn to walk in obedience with our Lord. And it takes perseverance. It takes character to walk in minute obedience to Jesus' words and example. So I have a group of friends who aren't Christians, and I can't say they talk about faith very much. I mean, why would they? But I still remember when I said something in a conversation, and then one friend turned to me and said, oh, I wouldn't expect a Christian to say that. Do you know, I felt so terrible. I felt that I really let Jesus down. So even though they don't talk about faith, they are watching me, and they might not read the Bible, they don't read the Bible, but they're reading me, and that is my responsibility, and that is such 
a challenge. God takes a huge risk giving me that responsibility. So I wonder, is there a trait of our behavior that, uh, that we just accept, but really it, we know it's not honoring to God in our lives, and that we need the Holy Spirit to change us? Because that is where our prayer life comes in. Prayer is designed to change us, to help us to learn how it is we can have the mind of Christ and to help us live a life worthy of our calling to show good fruit in our eyes, in our lives. So ask, ask for God's gift of his spirit to ask and it shall be given to you. Ask for forgiveness when you come to repentance, but also to take away the love of sinning, to change our thoughts of anger, resentment, desire for retaliation. Ask, and it will be given to you. And always ask for your heart to be filled with love for Jesus, the lover of our souls. Don't lose that first love we read about in Revelation 2. And we do this by coming into God's presence and giving him our full attention, being fully present with him. Ask for directions every day as how we can be used by God to humbly serve others who we might find difficult. Seek out God because he'll never leave us or forsake us. Look for the signs of the kingdom and you will find where can you be a peacemaker? Where can you stand up for injustice? Search for where God is working in our world and in your life, maybe in the small things, especially in the small things. So I was talking to a friend who's visited the prison and God is working, working there. And knock and the door will be opened. Only Jesus can unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. But when things go wrong, do we go to our phone or do we go to the throne? Because in Hebrews, we are assured that in prayer, we can approach the very throne of heaven with our requests. I mean, what a gift that is. It is only through knowing God, through Jesus, that we gain that perspective of heaven where our true home is. So know that God can strengthen you when you are mocked for being a Christian, when we're persecuted. But knock also on the door for others around us. So Rico Tice, who's a great Christian evangelist, tells the story of why he thinks he became a Christian. He said because someone must have been praying for him so that he was ready to respond to the gospel And what an amazing evangelist he is. What an answer to prayer. And in a time when influencers have such sway on social media, Jesus wants us to be influencers too. To have a think about how many people you can come into contact with, maybe on a regular or occasional basis. How can you influence people for the kingdom? So in summary then, God calls us into obedient discipleship, but he encourages us to ask him 
to seek him to equip us to live that out to his praise and glory. So let us pray for God's presence and God's presence. Heavenly Father, give us the desire to spend more time in your presence and to understand more how we can live as children in your family. Lord Jesus, help us to understand in increasing measure the gift of sacrificial love you have showed us. Give us the desire to follow you wholeheartedly. Is there anything you know in your life, in your behavior, that is not honoring to God? Holy Spirit, enable us to live our lives in deeper humility, in deeper love for others, because we can only live in the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask these things. Lord, make us ready to receive so much more than we could ever imagine. Amen.